0: Let's go ahead and read this passage of Scripture. It's in Philippians somewhere, Philippians 1, and we'll go to verse 12. And the Scripture says, And I want you to know, my dear brothers and sisters, that everything that has happened to me here has helped spread the good news. And I want to point something out. Paul is in prison whenever he's writing this. Paul is in prison for his love for Jesus, basically. And he's been persecuted. He's been taken into jail because he will not stop talking about Jesus. And so keep that in mind. It says For everyone here, including the whole palace guard, knows that I am in chains because of Christ. And because of my imprisonment, most of the believers here have gained confidence and boldly speak God's message without fear. It is true that some are preaching out of jealousy and rivalry, but others preach about Christ with pure motives. They preach because they love me, for they know I have been appointed to defend the good news. Those others who do not have pure motives as they preach about Christ, they preach with selfish ambition, not sincerely, intending to make my change more painful for me. But that does not matter. Whether their motives are false or genuine, the message of Christ is being preached either way, so I rejoice. And I will continue to rejoice, for I know that as you pray for me and the Spirit of Jesus Christ helps me, this will lead to my deliverance. For I fully expect and hope that I will never be ashamed, but that I will continue to be bold for Christ as I have been in the past. And I trust that my life will bring honor to Christ, whether I live or die. For for me, for to me, living means living for Christ, and dying is even better. But if I live... I can do more fruitful work for Christ, so I really don't know which is better. I'm torn between two desires. I long to go and be with Christ, which would be far better for me, but for your sakes, it is better that I continue to live. Knowing this, I am convinced that I will remain alive so that I can continue uh, to help you grow in your experience, uh, the joy of your faith. And when I come to see you again, you will have even more reason to take pride in Jesus Christ because of what he is doing through me. I don't know if you notice this or not, but uh, a ton of the statements that Paul is making here make no sense whatsoever if you think about it from uh, how our society thinks about things. For instance, let's just uh, look at a couple of them. Right? We talked about that he's in chains, he's in prison, he's literally guarded 24-7, and yet he says that everything that has happened to me is good. Everything that has happened to me has helped spread the gospel. Okay, contrary statement number one, that seems kind of weird. Two, because of my imprisonment, believers are gaining confidence. I'm pretty sure that if uh, somebody came in here and arrested me, you guys would either throw a party or your you would begin to you know, shrink back in faith. Well, I don't want to be arrested for being a Christian. You get what I'm saying? And it says that people are preaching things, making Paul's chains even tighter than they are, making them more painful for him. But even though that they're out there in spite of him, they're still sharing the good news, so he will rejoice anyway. Huh. Hey, don't throw stuff. Even though he is not been delivered of being in prison. He says that you guys are praying for me and I know that my deliverance is coming. Huh. And the last thing is is that Paul wants to go and be with Christ for his own personal benefit, but he's willing to stay there and not go be with Christ for the benefit of other people. And the point that I'm trying to get at is, is that his way of thinking is so much more different than our way of thinking. For me, a lot of times I'm thinking about, okay, what's, what's in it for Landon here? You know, what's, what's for my benefit? I want Christ to come down and kick these chains off me and karate chop a Roman soldier and get me out of this place. But for him, he said, no, 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 this is better. This has been good. And I was talking to Dad about it last night. And he said, "Well, if you think about it, Paul's literally in chains, and he's being guarded by Roman guards every twenty-four or 24 7. And so all the time he has guards rotating in their shift coming through, and if they're chained to him, they literally can't get away from him. So he's like, "Hey, I got something to tell you." And he's talking to these guards, and then they leave, and new guards come in, and he's just sitting there just sharing the gospel. And he's sharing it with the authority of the nation. And so whenever he gets these people to believe in Christ, they go out and they make a bigger impact, and it's just a continuous cycle. And all these people are gaining in their trust in the Lord. And, And to me, the one thing that Paul has different than most of the American church has is that he has true, genuine faith. And I actually... Ended up, I was, this morning I said, you know, Miss Kelly would be proud of me, my 8th grade uh, language arts teacher, because I looked up the definition of faith this morning, and uh, it's a complete trust or confidence in someone or something, and I feel like in, in our way of thinking today, the first thing that we do, if, if situations are, are wrong in our life or things aren't going well, the first thing we do is throw out Scripture, we, we just toss the Bible out the window, and it's the first thing that takes a backseat whenever faith is literally trusting in something that you can't see. I've, I've watched people uh, get saved, but I've never actually seen someone die and been there and watched them go into heaven, right? So I'm trusting in something that I can't see with my eyes, but I have seen the change that happens in people's lives whenever they do make that decision. But see, it's the evidence, just like we'll read a couple of scriptures here. It says in uh, Romans 10.17 uh, that faith comes by hearing. You've got to hear the word in order to have faith in it. And faith without works is dead, which is James uh, 2.14, which is a whole other whole deal on its own. If you're not showing proof or evidence of your faith, then what good is your faith? And then faith is the evidence of things unseen, which is Hebrews 11.1. Uh, 1. But the point I'm trying to make here is, is that we have this, uh, this way of thinking today that's completely contrary to what faith is, and we don't have the same trust that Paul has here. The, the, the things that he's saying in the scripture are things uh, that I don't normally think about, right? We don't think about things in this backwards way of thinking, but the truth is, is that Paul, what Paul has is he has a real relationship with Jesus. He has true and genuine faith. And no matter what circumstance he has or he's in, he knows what's best for him. And what's best for him is the things of God. And the reason I bring all this up is that a lot of times we do lack faith. And whenever I say we, I mean Landon, okay? I'm not talking about anybody else here. I'm talking about me. Because a lot of times in life, the, just like I said, the first thing that we do as we throw faith to the side and say, you know, God, why why aren't you here? Why aren't you in this situation? And you know it it's it's almost like, you know, if we're if we're like Paul and we were in prison, we have and, and we're by ourselves, that's whenever faith goes away. Whenever it's inconvenient, whenever there's things about it that we don't like, whenever there's a principle of God that he's trying to draw me away from something wrong that I'm doing in my life, but I still want to do it anyway because that's who I, that's who I am. And, you know, whenever it takes a backseat, our faith takes a backseat. And you see the guys on, uh, on television and stuff, whether you're talking about Steph Curry, you're talking about any of the people in the NBA, uh, I mean, NFL, whatever you're talking about, they, whenever they win the championship game, right, the first thing they say is, you know, well, I give God glory for everything that's happened, which is, which is good. But it's super easy to give God glory whenever you've got everything that you wanted. But whenever you're not getting everything you wanted, it makes it a lot harder to give God glory. But the point that I'm trying to make here is that regardless if everything is going great or everything is going terrible, God's still good. And he's still worthy of, of your praise regardless of how you feel. And I'm going to illustrate a point with this, and some of, some of you will know where this comes from, but I learned not that long ago that, uh, you know, like if you were to Google Oakton Church, did you know that people put Google reviews of churches on Facebook, or not Facebook, on Google? I didn't even realize this was a thing. And I'm not even talking about this church in particular, but what I want to show you is, is the level of faith that the American church has versus what we're talking about in Scripture. Okay? And th- these, this isn't about Oakton. These are from all over the country. But this first Google review is, is a one-star review. And it says, Just got bored quick. Worship was not super great, and message was too monotone and screamy for me. First of all, monotone and screamy are two separately different things. <laughs> Forget that. <laughs> but you, you get what I'm saying. So worship wasn't that great, so I really couldn't get into it. I wasn't super into the message, so I really couldn't receive it. Okay, we'll go on to the next one. Four stars instead of five because there was no worship after the sermon. Okay. Oh, this is a good one. One star. The worship leader looked like he just got done mowing the yard. (laughs) A lot of these are at at Joel Manival, I guess. I, I don't know why they, people pick on worship so much, but it's uh, it makes you head spin. Anyways, the last one says, uh, not welcoming. No one said hello or goodbye, nothing. And you know, the, the reason that I'm, I'm saying this is because our faith in the American church is so surface deep. So surface deep. If anything, slightly inconvenient. Anything you don't like about the church, the first thing we do, one is write a bad Google review, and then two, we leave and go to a different church because the sermon was too monotone and screamy for you. Sorry if, that, if I do that today. Okay? But the point that I'm trying to get across to you is, is that the faith that Paul's talking about isn't a faith that's very common anymore. You know, the people who are willing to, to say, you know, God no matter what situation I'm put in, no matter what church you call me to, no matter where you place me on this earth, I'm going to serve you regardless of, of what's happening to me. And you know, I, I get that way. You know, God, what's in this for me? Why, why did you put me here? Why am I doing this? Why am I doing that? And uh, you know, that's not at all how this was intended to be. And, but the truth of the matter is, is that to have true faith We have to align ourselves with the principles of God and trust that regardless of what happens in this life, God is going to make good on his promise. All the prophecies that are in the Old Testament that you're looking at uh, whenever Jesus came, every single one of them was fulfilled. God keeps his promises. He also makes promises in the Old Testament whenever Jesus returns. And I guarantee you that every single one of those is going to come to pass. Because God keeps his promise. And the thing is, is that God has made promises to every single one of us, every single one of us in here today. He has promised you something. He has called you to something. He is wanting something, a relationship with you. But we have to trust and know that he is good, that he is sovereign, and that regardless of what situation we're put in, no matter how much we don't like me or Joel's outfit, God's still good. All the time. So I want to I wanna read a, uh, another scripture to you from Philippians. And to be quite honest, this was a, a scripture that puzzled me for a long time. And people quote it all the time, that the end of it. But It's going to be Philippians 4.10 is where we're going to start. And it says, How I praise the Lord that you are concerned about me again. I know you have always been concerned for me, but you didn't have a chance to help me. Not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it's on a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. For I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Even so, you have done well to share with me in this present difficulty." This, uh, this scripture puzzled me for a really long time, honestly, because to me, being content means that I'm okay with what I got. So for me, it was like, okay, so I'm just supposed to sit down here, and uh, whatever the Lord gives me is good. Whatever he doesn't give me is good, and I don't really put out any effort. I don't really have to do anything. I'm just content with whatever I'm given. Some of you may figure this out by now, but God put a competitive nature in me, and I don't like to lose, okay? I always want to to do more, to get more, or or whatever it is. And I'm thinking, I'm not sure how well I can do this, because I'm not very good at sitting and waiting and just whatever happens, happens. I'm not very good at that way of thinking. And uh, I read a passage of Scripture the other day that was in uh, Proverbs 1. 32, and it says, uh, fools are destroyed by their own complacency. I'm sitting there thinking, the Bible doesn't contradict itself. God is, he was, and he is, and he is to come. He's the same all throughout. He doesn't contradict himself. So why, what, what is this that I'm not understanding? Well, in my way of thinking, I thought that complacent and uh, content, content were the same thing. And they're not at all the same thing. Whenever I looked up the definition of content and put it in a, in a mix with Scripture, I realized very quickly that being content means that whether I have a bunch or I have very little, whether I have everything or I have nothing, God gave it to me. And no matter what situation I'm in, God is going to see me through to the end. It doesn't mean that I don't want more, but it doesn't mean that I have to stay where I am. I'm willing to do more. I'm willing to serve more. I'm willing to to go above and beyond in serving the Lord. And whatever he gives me, or, or whatever happens as a result, God's going to take care of me regardless. Now, complacent, on the other hand, in a context of Scripture, was that I don't want any more, and I don't want any less. And there's so many people that think this way, because, you know, we... We like to come and have a, a good Sunday service, right? Everything likes to be one at the same. You know, we like routines. We like to be doing the same thing. And, and you know, some people wouldn't be okay with if we had to blow this wall out and make a bigger sanctuary. Some people like the sanctuary just the way it is. And some people wouldn't want any less people than we have, but we don't want to do any work to get any more. And we want to stay right where we are. And that's how it's, it's talking about fools are destroyed by their own complacency. Because if we want to remain right here, you're going to fall every time. And that's the problem. That being content, being, being happy, uh, joyful with what the Lord gives you, and, and, and always wanting more of the Lord is a lot different than wanting to stay in the same place. Being uh, satisfied with our own desire being satisfied with where we are. And it's it's an entirely different way of thinking. And the hardest part of all of it, I think, is just getting it in our mind to align ourselves with the principles that God gives us. That's the hardest part. But whether you know it or not, you align yourself with ideology all the time. Different ideas, different opinions, different stuff. You know, if you're... I'm pretty sure everyone in here probably watches the news. You know, if you're a little more conservative, you align yourself with Fox News. If you're a little more liberal, you align yourself with CNN. But the thing is, I don't care if you watch Fox News or CNN. All you're getting is negativity and puke. Do you like conservative puke? Do you like negative puke? But it's still negativity and puke. I don't (laughs) care what you call it. And the thing is, is that we'll align ourselves with whether it's conservative or liberal but it's still the same thing it still smells bad it's still not worth anything so why listen to it? but see the the problem is is that the news has taken on a lot and I wasn't even writing this down but the news has taken on a portion of what some people in Christianity do they like to sit back and point the finger at the situation but they're never in it to change it and the thing is is that we as Christians today need to stop watching the news and start making the news I'm pretty sure if we believed in faith and tumors started falling off of people's faces in here that uh, the news would be in here watching what was happening real quick. We're talking about an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. We're talking about being the church that God called us to be. Because I'm pretty sure if Paul got imprisoned here in modern day, that'd be on the news. It's just a different way of thinking. But we align ourselves with with the junk and the crud of this world, and uh, it's time that that the first thing to go is all this other junk that's pulling us away from God, and the one thing that always remains consistent in our entire life is that we're standing on the word, regardless of what's going on in our life, regardless of how bad our situation looks, regardless of how bad your financial situation looks. It doesn't matter. If you're standing on the word and knowing that God is true and that he is faithful and he is just, He's going to see you through to the end no matter what. I mean, even did you realize that literally the worst thing that can happen to you is that you die? If you believe in Christ, where are you going to go? But that's what we fear. But if we believed in faith and knowing that God is our salvation, and He is the author and perfecter of our faith, that He is our everything, and that He was before we even thought about being, what's the worst that can happen to you? But we have to believe in faith and know that God is a God of His promise, and that's what we got to align ourselves with today. You know that we're not complacent; that we don't want any more, don't want any less. But we want to be content with the Lord, knowing that everything that He gave us is good, because everything that you have right now that we take for granted every day, God gave to you. And until we uh, we take it up and we, and we believe in faith and know and give God praise because he's worthy regardless if we feel good or not. That's the biggest problem is that people come into church and, and it's all about uh, the worship. No offense, Joel, but just like he said the other night, uh, he stopped worship in the middle of meal with Message and said, You know, what's the point of going on with this more and more if, if, if we're not really honoring the Lord and singing praises to him? You know, people all the time will go to concerts and be like, man, that was so awesome. The presence of the Lord was there. But I mean, all they're getting into is the lights and the music and all this different stuff. But but whether you're at work or you're at church, you know, God's worthy of being praised. He's worthy of being honored because he gave you everything that you have. And any hope that you have uh, left in this world is because he provides it. And until we stand in faith and realize that he is this good, that's whenever our faith is going to go into practice and we're going to be like Paul whether we're in chains or we're not. We're going to be sharing the gospel with the people that we love and the people that we know and anyone we can get to listen for a minute. And you know, honestly, uh, she's not here, but Ashley Lawrence, she blessed me Wednesday night. She got up and was sharing her testimony from Kansas City and uh, she said, you know, it was really easy during the homeless feed to go up to people in the line and just talk about Jesus and love on them and do all that stuff. But she goes, you know, it's not as easy whenever I go home and I'm by myself. You know, whenever I'm with a group of friends and I can go out and share, uh, share the word with people, you know, it's a lot easier than when I'm home alone. And, you know, it's the same for all of us, I think. You know, it's a lot easier when we're in a big you know, pack and we're running around like hoodlums leading people to Jesus. But it's a, it's, a, it's a way of thinking that in faith, whenever you step out and share the word with someone, it's in faith that maybe one day or that day they'll receive it. But that's the point. That's the point of it all. But the thing is, is that we have to be like what Pastor Kent's been talking about, being intentional. You know, and I... Pointed at Crystal. I don't even know if she's in here still. Is Crystal in here? No? Okay. Crystal was the, uh, BBS coordinator for this year at Central. And I got to talking with her and, uh, you know, we wanted more kids to be at BBS this year. You know, that's, that's a God thing, right? God likes people to come and hear his word. And so what we did is we stood on some scriptures and, uh, and we made it a point to be intentional about getting kids here. And so what we decided was is that the best way to go in town and get kids since we're out here, just to just go pick them up. So we decided to push the bus hard this year. So we stood on scripture. We set a day and we sent a bunch of people from church out into town. And we started knocking on doors and inviting people to church. And last year we didn't even hardly have enough kids to run the bus. But this year we averaged, I think, 30-something kids every night. And there was 33 salvations at at Central and over half of them were because of the kids on the bus. But the thing is, is that all we did was stand on the Word, trust in faith that God is who He says He is and that He's going to do something and just went out and was intentional about what we were doing. Honestly, it, some of it felt like we, we didn't even know how much we had accomplished after the day. But then, every time we'd run that bus, there was more and more and more kids. Is Carrie in here? Yeah, he is. Carrie was with me on Thursday night and he was driving the bus whenever, is there a cop in here? There was more kids on that bus than than what seating capacity was. I was debating on whether or not I was going to have to get the van and drive half the kids home and drive the other half on the bus. But that's a problem we want to have. You get know what I'm saying today? It's about faith. And we have to get our thinking in line with the things of God because because for too long we've taken Uh, Scripture, and we've taken the Bible and we've put it in our own context and used it to to benefit our life. But whenever we start thinking about how can I serve Christ, it makes it entirely different. Our way of thinking is entirely different. And we're not the same people um, that we would be if we think about it otherwise. You know, it's easy to go to, or I guess I shouldn't say easy, but to go to Kansas City or Liberia and Albania and we go to those places for a couple weeks and man we're really intentional. At least this is a story for me. You know, it's easy to go there and be super intentional whenever I get back home, you know, I see somebody at Walmart that I kinda know that I should probably share the gospel with and I'm like, Yeah, I don't really have time for that today. I've got to get my trail camera out, you know, start looking for a deer and all that kind of stuff and or whatever I'm doing. And, you know, we don't take the opportunity to share the gospel with the people who probably need it the most. Because the thing is, is that God's appointed every single one of us in a workplace. He's appointed every single one of us with a family or with people around us to impact. And they're the first ones that go on the back burner when it comes to ministry. But we have to trust and know in faith that God is who he says he is. Now, let's think about this before before we get out of here. The prime example of this, actually, I want to say something first. The, uh, I think it's because we feel like we have to get to a place before we can be the people who God called us to be. I have to do something, or I have to get rid of something in my life, or I have to get to a different place for me to be worthy enough to share the gospel with someone. I felt that way. I thought, you know, I've got to get in ministry before I can be where God really wants me to be and to be used by him. And I look back on my life I thought, Landon, God was using you the whole entire time. It wasn't about getting in ministry. It wasn't about going to Liberia. It wasn't about any of that. It's making yourself available for the Lord. Because if anything, sometimes ministry shuts the door on ministry opportunities versus opens them up. Larry probably will tell you just as well as any. I mean, you try to talk to someone that you don't know and they're like, oh, where do you work? That's like the first question you get asked. Like, oh, I work at Oakton Church. Yep. Okay, we'll see you later. Don't want to talk to that guy anymore. But it's so true. And we think we have to get to this place for God to use us whenever all he wants is a willing vessel. And the people of uh, Israel that I was getting ready to talk about, whenever they got delivered out of Egypt, man, they were promised by God that they were going to go to the promised land. But God didn't wait until they got to the promised land before he started working in their midst. They would have never even left Egypt had he not done something to intervene. They would have never crossed the Red Sea. And to be quite honest, this is kind of something the Lord showed me. It's like they left Egypt, right? And they get up to this sea, and Moses stands in faith by raising his stick, and the sea begins to depart. But in our context of today, we would say, God, you can't, you can't move here. We have to wait till we get to the promised land before you can do something in our life. But the thing is, is that every single day, While you're at work, God is parting the waters, making an opportunity for you to cross and to lead somebody to him. But every time we say, you know, this isn't at church, so I can't share the gospel. You you get what I'm saying? And it's the same for me. I'm at Walmart, and God makes a way and opens up a conversation, and I just, and I don't cross. And it's the same way today. But actually, if you study in the scripture, whenever this right, people cross the Red Sea, they ended up on this place called Mount Sinai, Right? And Moses goes up, and he's talking with God, and he says, God, don't make me leave this place if you're not going to go with us. Forget the promised land. I'll stay right here as long as that you're with me. But we don't have the same attitude today. We want the reward and not necessarily the giver. But the difference is is that he didn't want to be anywhere except for the presence of God. And actually, whenever he came back down from the mountain and met with the people, they were doing all kinds of crazy things. And finally, he just says, you know what, God, I need you to meet me down here. What's the cloud do? Right there. Because God wants to meet with his people. He's not hiding from you. It's us that push him away. And if you said, God, I want you to meet me right here in this church service, man, he'd meet you right here. And whenever you get home, if you say, God, I want to talk with you today, man, he'd meet you right there too. But we make it so difficult that we have to say, well, this is the place for this. And, you know, we categorize things, right? Well, church is the place for my relationship with God, and, and uh, this is my place for work, and the two can't intermingle. But the truth is, if you believe in faith, it doesn't matter if you're standing with chains in prison or you're sitting in this church service, you'll share the message of Jesus Christ. And it's time that a church stands up and stands in faith and declares that God is who he says he is and I'm no longer going to apologize for sharing the gospel and I'm going to make sure that every person I come in contact to at least feels the love of Christ. Maybe they didn't even have to hear it with words but man, they felt it. You get what I'm saying? I was reading a book the other day And uh, in this book, the guy was talking about presentations and he said, you know, you need to get something, uh, a hard copy of the piece of paper to hand people so that they have something they can see. Because people see what they see, they believe. And we're that way, right? We, We have to see something to believe it. But the problem is that that doesn't align with faith very good. Because faith is trusting in God even whenever you can't see it right in front of you. So it doesn't matter if you... If God told you to get a job and you haven't got the job yet and you're applying for it, if God told it to you, man, it's going to come to pass. No matter what your circumstances, his word will always come back. It will come true. It never comes back void, right? And so I want you to realize today that God is a God of his promise. And he's worthy to be praised. And that faith is the evidence of things unseen but unfortunately, a lot of times in, in my life, the only thing unseen was my faith. And, you know, we don't want to be that way today. We want to be a people of faith that whenever you come in contact with somebody, that there's they don't have any way of denying that you are a Christian and that you believe that Jesus is who he says he is. So pray Seem him if you want to go ahead and...